Come on, say it like you mean it. This is God's word, not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare, my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, we thank you for this time that we have to fellowship around your word. We thank you that your word is life-giving. Your word is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. It provides direction. It provides correction. And it provides encouragement. So as we come to hear the word of the living God this morning, I pray that our hearts will be open to receive the engrafted word which is able to save, change, and deliver our very souls. We declare today that signs, miracles, and wonders will follow the word as it is shared today. I thank you that as I have decreased that the anointing of the living God will rise up And feed every person in this place spiritually. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. For the last couple of weeks, our subject has been family grace from vision partnership. Say this with me. Say family grace grace. from vision partnership. Now, this series has been like a cake. Now, this morning... Because before we could talk about vision partnership with the family, I had to kind of give you an idea of the roles of each person within the family. Now, we didn't talk about the kids, but we know what kids are supposed to do. Amen. All they need to do, their job description is very simple. It's just to obey your parents. That ain't hard at all, is it? Amen. And so we started out by simply explaining the different roles of the male and female within the family context. Notice I said male and female. Amen. God didn't make Adam and Steve. He made Adam and Eve. Come on now. He didn't make Eve and Eva. He made Adam and Eve. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, don't even worry about it. Amen. He gave that man, he started the earth with one man, he gave that man a wife, and they started a family to reproduce the earth with godly seed. So our goal today is to examine Jesus' view of family and to show how a special endowment, say special endowment, show how a special endowment of grace has been given to us as a church family and the body of Christ as we partner with God and the vision assignment we have been called to fulfill. Now, I'm just going to give one real main point so we can review and then I'm going right into this morning's lesson. We discover that the kingdom of God is principle driven. Say principle driven. Okay, principles are modes of action that are predictable to work and can be relied upon if we work them. In other words, principles can also be used as the word laws. Say laws. So, for instance, the principle or law of gravity, it always works. 
It works in California. It works in Texas. It works in Ohio. In other words, these particular principles that God has set forth in the earth realm will work. Well, God's word has principles built into it. And if we learn the principles and we obey them, then we can expect the principles to work for us. Can I get an amen? One of the examples, you don't have to turn there. This is Isaiah 55, verse 11 and 12. It says, for as the rain comes down and snow from heaven and returns not here, but waters the earth and it makes it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. It goes on to say in verse 12, so shall my word be that comes forth out of my mouth. This is God talking. It, my word shall not return unto me void, but my word shall accomplish that which I please and it, my my word shall prosper in the thing where I sent it. So God's word is designed to work. Say this with me. Say God's word is designed to work. Now turn your Bibles to John chapter 2. John chapter 2. I'm jumping right into this morning's lesson. The family is so important to God that Jesus' first miracle was performed at a wedding. The, this is what I love about God. The very thing that got destroyed at the beginning of mankind, in other words, the devil messed him up. He made sure the first miracle that took place in Jesus' life brought a family back together. Now, look in John chapter 2. Are you there? Look in verse 11. It says this. Well, let's just look and see. Look in verse 1. And on the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and Jesus was called, and his disciples to the marriage. Long story short, they ran out of wine. Jesus fixed that for them. But I want you to see verse 11. It says, this beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed on him. In other words, the first miracle Jesus did related to a family. Now, here's one a side note. This has nothing to do with my lesson, but here's a side note. If Jesus was willing to perform a miracle at a wedding just because they ran out of wine, how much more is he willing to perform a miracle in your relationship? I'm not sure what you may need in your marriage relationship, but trust me, even if you need a miracle, he can do it. Now, see, here's our problem. We go into marriage relationships and then, you know, sometimes the road gets rocky. The waves get high and they start splashing. And instead of now holding on to the boat and to the steering wheel and inviting Jesus on the boat so he can quiet the storm, you know what we do? We kick the people out of the boat. You got to go. Well, what you need to do instead of kicking them out is believe for a miracle. Now, here's what people say. Well, Pastor, I don't, I don't feel like I'm tired of them. I don't want to deal with them no more. See, here's the thing. I have found that even if you don't want to do right, still come to church. Because being in a spirit-filled environment will help you, and then you'll just wake up one day and want to do right. right, 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 right. Amen. Amen. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, I don't know if it's you that don't want to do right, but I'm glad you're here this morning, though. Amen. Go to Mark chapter 6. Go to Mark chapter 6. Matthew, Mark. Go to Mark chapter 6. Jesus... And some people don't know this, but Jesus had a mom. They know that part. He had a stepdad as well as stepbrothers and sisters. He had to love them and interface with them. But his perspective and viewpoint of family was broader than the average person. Look in Mark chapter 6. Look in verse 3. Are you there? Say, I'm there. 
Watch this. Uh, look in verse 2. And when the Sabbath day was come, he, Jesus, began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From where has this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought or done by his hands? Look in verse 3. Is not this the carpenter, the son of who? The son of Mary. Notice they didn't say the son of Joseph. They just said the son of Mary because Joseph was really his stepdad. It said the son of Mary, the brother of who? James. And who else? Joseph. And who else? Judah. And who else? Simon. So how many brothers did Jesus have? Right here it says he had four. And then watch this. It says, and are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. In other words, they probably couldn't see the divine part of Jesus because he probably had some brothers and sisters that was acting up. Come on now. Everybody got somebody in their family. You don't want to introduce them to nobody. How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah, uh uh-huh. Some of y'all didn't want to raise your hand. You brought your sister to church. Praise the Lord. (laughs) But see, Jesus had a mom. A stepdad, he had brothers and sisters that he had to love and interface with. But his perspective on family was still different than the average person. Go to Mark now. Go to chapter 3. Go to chapter 3. Let me show you this. Jesus' view of family was kingdom in perspective and spiritual in nature. I'm going to say that again. Jesus' view of family was kingdom in perspective and spiritual in nature. Let me show you what I mean. Mark chapter 3, look in verse 31. There came then his brethren, talking about Jesus now. Jesus was in a meeting. He was preaching. And then it says, there came his brethren and his mother, and they were standing outside, and they sent unto him, calling him. So here it is, Jesus in the house preaching, and they're on the outside. My question was, why weren't they in the meeting? I wonder why. Now, see, don't get offended now if your family start persecuting you for going to church. Don't get offended. Don't let that bother you. And you know what's sad? They ought to be happy for you, but they don't know no better. I mean, they didn't bother you when you went to the club every Saturday. Didn't bother you at all. You know why? Because they were with you. Now you're trying to make your life different, and they're having a problem. So let's see what happened in verse 32. And the multitude sat about him, and they said unto him, Behold! Your mother, your brethren are outside looking for you. And then he answered them saying, who is my mother or my brethren? And he looked round about on them which sat around him. And he said, behold, my mother and my brother. Now look up at me. Jesus is now messing some stuff up. Because Mary was the virgin Mary. And they're saying, hey, Jesus, come outside. We need to talk to you. And he said, wait a minute. Who is my mother and my brother? Well, he says, watch this now. Look in that last verse. Verse 35. For whosoever shall do the will of who? God. The same is what my who? Brother and my what? Sister and my what? And my mother. So Jesus' definition of family was different than ours. Now. You cannot tap into this grace that I'm going to talk to you this morning about. You can't tap into this grace 
uh, 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 that I'm talking about unless you change your perspective of what family is. See, here's my thing about family. I love my family. I have sisters and brothers. My mom, them, they, my parents go here. Okay, but here's the thing. Blood is thicker than Yeah, that's what the average person say, but that's not what Pastor Evans say. Here's Pastor Evans' definition of that. Truth is thicker than blood. So if you're not on truth page with me, I'm going to wave at you till you come back. Because Jesus said heaven and earth is going to pass away, but that truth ain't going to pass. So just because now they don't believe that you're... See, I'm talking to somebody this morning. You, you haven't joined yet. I'm talking to somebody right now. You haven't joined Word of Truth yet. You love this church. You've been coming. But the reason why you haven't joined is because we are spirit-filled. We, we, we speak in tongues. And this is so different than what you grew up. And all your family, some of them still go to the same church. And now they're persecuting you for not coming, to, you know, for not staying over there. But you're not growing over there. Okay, who is now your mother or your father? It's truth or it's tradition? I thought I'd just throw that one in right there. Okay, 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 okay. Go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Now, let me show you something. Jesus did believe in family because when he called the disciples on many occasions, he just didn't call one of them. He called them in pairs. He called them as brothers. Look in Matthew chapter 4, look in verse 17. It says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, and he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, and they were fishers. And he said unto who? Come on, class. He said unto who? Them follow me and I will make you fishes of men. Then straightway he left their, they left their nets and they followed him. And going on from there he saw others, two other brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father. Watch this now. They were in business with their father. They were mending their nets and he called who? Them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and they followed him. Jesus' perspective on family was not limited to his blood. It was based on whoever did God's will. So now as a church family, because I'm going to show you, there is a grace that you can tap into once you understand that my family is just not my blood family. My family is related to a church family that is connected to the body of Christ that Jesus is the head of. So technically, Jesus is not just our Savior. He's our big brother. Amen. Now, go to Romans chapter 12. Go to Romans 12. Romans chapter 12. Jesus' perspective on family is important because there is a special divine endowment of grace. And I'm going to define grace for you. That we can partake of when we become kingdom family conscious. Say this with me. Say kingdom family conscious conscious all right romans chapter 12 uh write down verse 4 if you're taking notes watch this now romans 12 4 it says uh i'm in first corinthians okay all right here we go all right romans 12 4 for as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office in other words everybody don't do the same thing 
Watch this now, verse 5. So we being many are one body in who? Christ. And every one members of who? One another. Watch verse 6. Having then gifts that are different according to the grace that is given to who? Notice it didn't say according to the grace given to you. It said according to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy, and then it goes on. In other words, I wanted you to see that in a body context, there is a grace that has been given to everybody. Now, here's my question. Now, let me give you the definition of grace, and then I'll give you my question. Grace means divine influence on the heart. It means favor, and it means to be acceptable. It also means a favorable attitude towards someone or something. It means to be pleased with, to show kindness, and to experience liberality. I'm going to say, now let me, I I put all those together and I came up with a definition. It, It says this, God's ability to cause divine influence upon the heart of others to show kindness and express liberality towards us. I'm going to say it again. God's ability, this is what grace means. God's ability to cause divine influence upon the heart of others to show kindness and express liberality towards us. In other words, when God starts causing grace to abound towards you, he's going to cause people to be a blessing to you, to be liberal to you, to show kindness to you. And, but see, watch this. If you don't know that you have grace, you can't expect it. Now, watch this now. Here's the question that I have. If God has given, we we read in verse 5, let's read it again, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 5. So we being many are one body in Christ and every one member is one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let me ask you a question. If he's given us all grace and some different gifts, where are we supposed to use that grace and experience that grace and experience and use those gifts? In the body. Now, see, this is why the devil will fight you tooth and nail to get you, get you out of a good church. Right here. Because he doesn't want to see you function in the body that God put you in. Now, see, here's what I love. God still gives us a choice to go to church, whatever we want to go to. But here's the problem. Most believers are not mature enough to even go to the church that God's leading them to. That's number one. Then number two, when they get there, they're not strong enough to handle the persecution from the enemy to stay in the set place God put them. And that's why the devil, he will do everything he can. And then this is what he did. This is the real deception. He will lead you to the place and then he'll keep you from joining because he joining. See, it's like you, I've never seen a finger walk down the street by itself. Now, if you see that, you better run. But I've never seen that. I've never seen some feet walk down the sidewalk without a body. Have y'all? Well, you cannot function fully outside of a connected body of Christ. So here it is now. You are a lone stranger because you're coming, but you're not connected because you say, well, I don't have to join to be connected. Yes, you do. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor. I don't know who you're talking about right now. But he's talking to somebody right now. Now, now watch this. 
That's why the devil will fight you. He will fight you. He will, he will, listen, he will cause lies. Listen, I, my doctor, I went to the doctor. I think I told y'all this. I went to the doctor about a month ago, two months, whatever it was. And as soon as I walked in his office, he said, Eben, you're going to ruin your ministry. I was like, what you talking about? Here it is now. You didn't already change wives. That's not your wife on that billboard. <laughs> then you have to understand the first billboard, my wife's hair was short. This one, she didn't change the color and it's long. And he swore up and down, that's not my wife. I said, that is my wife, man. <laughs> it's cheaper to keep her. <laughs> Y'all remember that song? Cheaper to keep her. <laughs> In other words, the devil can come and lie to you. Pastor got two wives. And because he wants you uprooted, because see, you can't get set if you don't be still. And, and somewhere you just got to make your mind up. This is my church. I don't care what nobody say. I don't care what nobody do. I, I'm supposed to be here. And can't nobody kick me out. Because see, what the devil wants to do, he wants to remove you from the place that there's some grace attached to this place. I'm going to show you what that is real quick. Now watch this now. Uh, there are four things real quick that you have to do to receive the grace that's assigned to the place you're at. Number one is placing, say placing. Number two is participating, say participating. Then number three is partaking, say partaking. And then number three, say praying. Okay, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let me show you this real quick. I've been saying it, but I want to show it to you in scripture. See, if I was the devil and I knew there was some grace attached to the place that you're at, I'd do my best to push you and kick you and persecute you out of that place. And some of you all, your life has gotten better from coming. Amen. It's, it's getting me. And you know what, though? Listen, I have been saved 24 years. There should be some fruit. You know, I was talking to a pastor. He was like, what do you think about pastors uh, driving nice cars and living in nice houses? And, and you know, and I'm, so I'm listening to him because I want to fill him out. So he's like, what do you think about a pastor riding, driving a Maybach, and he has 10 members in a church in the hood? I said, well, I don't know, but how he got that Maybach with just 10 members, he got some serious faith. <laughs> that's number one number two this is what I said to him I've been saved 24 years if this word wasn't working for me I wouldn't want y'all to even be here because if it's not working for me after 24 years why would you be crazy and sit here and listen to me so I said to him I said listen it would be an indictment on my church if I didn't do good People say, and see, cars, all that stuff, man, that stuff will pass away. Somebody can go hit you and tow that car tomorrow, and you got to go get another one. That stuff, see, cars don't make you, you make the car. Right, 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 right. And then they look at my car, and I'm like, look, man, I'm not even the only one with an S550 Mercedes in my church. I was number three. Right. <laughs> you know, it's one thing when the pastor is only doing ba- good, but you know, when the church is doing good, that shows you something, amen. Amen. So watch this. Second, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18. 1 Corinthians 12, look at verse 18. Watch this now. It says, but now has God said who? Come on, class. He said who? Who said the members? 
God set the members, each and every one of them, where? In the body as it pleased them. Who did it please? Him. So in other words, God wants to set you somewhere. But when he sets you, he don't expect you to sit down. Go to Acts 16. Go to Acts 16 very quickly. I'm getting to this grace piece real quick. Acts 16. Let me show you something here. Participating in God-given vision from a kingdom-committed person through participating is when I can partake of the grace in that place. I'm going to say that again. Participating in a God-given vision from a kingdom-committed person. Let me tell you something. God don't give vision to a committee. God gives a vision to a committed person. And then he gives that person committed people. Because he has a vision that he's trying to accomplish for a particular area to do a particular thing. And he assigns us to that place. We've had opportunities to buy churches outside of our area and I refuse to do it. I said, because this is where we are assigned. Now watch this. Acts 16. What I tell you to go? Look at Acts 16. Look at verse 9. Are you there? Say, I'm there. Okay, watch this now. It says, and a vision appeared to who? Paul, in the night, there stood a man of Macedonia, and he prayed, saying, come over into Macedonia to help us. Who saw the vision? Who, class? Paul saw the vision. After he saw the vision, immediately, what's the next word? We endeavored to go. So he saw a vision, he communicated the vision, and then he communicated this vision to the point that now it wasn't just a me vision, it became a we vision. Because it said, immediately, we endeavored to go, watch this now, assuredly gathering, that the Lord had called who? Us. Us. Not Pastor Eben. He called Word of Truth Family Church to preach the gospel unto who? Them. Them. So guess what? When you get to that place that God set you, you got to participate. That's why I'm saying you got to get busy. You got to do something because in you doing something, it now activates faith on your behalf. Now, once you get involved and you're connected and you're doing something, there's a grace that comes with it. Go to Philippians real quick. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. There's a grace. Now, some of you all may not ever heard this, and you may have to listen to this CD four and five times before you get it. Philippians chapter 1. When you participate in a God-given vision that God has given a committed man, then now you are eligible for the grace that's on the place and on the person. I'm going to say that again. Y'all look up at me. When you now connect yourself to a vision that God has ordained, he's given that vision to a committed man. He gives that man committed people. Those committed people get involved. When they get involved, the grace that's on the place and on the person, they are now eligible for. Watch this. Philippians chapter 1, look in verse 7. He says, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel. Watch this now. He says, you all are partakers of my what? He said, you are partakers of my grace. In other words, that was a grace that was on Paul's life. And he said, because you have participated with me, you are now eligible to receive the grace that's on my life. And that's why if you go to Philippians chapter 4, go to Philippians chapter 4 very quickly. Philippians chapter 4. That's why he was able to say to them in verse 19, 
But my God shall supply how much? All of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Why was Paul able to say that to them? Because God was supplying all of his needs. And let me tell you something. Remember now, grace means favor. So the favor that's on our church, you have the right to expect for your life. Now, let me break it down for you to be more specific. Our church has, listen, all of our furniture, all of our equipment, everything in our office is absolutely paid for with no debt. So you can now say, God, my church is debt free. We ought to be debt free. When we buy some new furniture, you ought to be able to buy some new furniture. In other words, there's a grace. Watch this now. Our church pays our bills on time. So guess what now? That means we have to have the resources to be able to do that. So guess what? You can now say, God, the grace to be able to pay my bills on time, I receive it because that's on the place. It's on me too. But see, many people, see, some of y'all struggling right now. I feel you. You're struggling. You're going, I ain't never heard nothing like that. I ain't never heard nothing like that. Well, just because you ain't heard of some country in Africa don't mean it don't exist. Come on now. Just because you haven't heard something doesn't mean it's not real. Now, we just read, Paul said, you are partakers of my grace. And so I started looking back over my life. Now, let me show you something. Go to Revelation. I'm just going to throw this one in for free because, see, some of y'all, I hear you thinking, this is free right here. This is free. I'm not charging you for this one at all. I'm not charging you at all. See, here's the problem with some of you in this room right here. Hot dog. Ooh, ooh. I'm about to, t- I'm about to, whoo, I'm about to slap somebody right now. I'm about to slap them. I'm about to slap them. Here's the problem with some of y'all in this room. I knew this. I just didn't know how to communicate it. See, I knew that I could draw from somebody's grace and not take their sins. See, here's the problem with some of y'all in here. Since you all were so committed to some other church and that, uh, that pastor at that place, and, you know, got caught up in sin. And now you and what you done done, watch this now. 90% of your experience at that church was good. The 10% was bad. You done threw the whole thing away. Why would you throw the whole experience away when only 10% of it was bad? And so now you come to a church like this and you don't open up your heart all the way because you say, well, I don't know what he did. Was he? Let me tell you something about Pastor Evan. There are certain things I ain't going to do. I'm just not going to do. He said, well, how can you say that? Well, are you going to murder somebody? I might as well take a survey. Are you going to murder somebody? Are you sure? Are you going to murder somebody? Uh-uh. In a Jamaican tone, are you going to murder somebody? Are you sure? Okay, how many here are going to murder somebody? Let me see your hand. You better not raise your hand. Security, security. In other words, see how definite you are about not murdering somebody? Well, I'm just that definite on certain things I ain't going to do. Certain things, one of the things, I'm, I'm not going to cheat on my wife. I'm just not going to do that. Nobody is that good. You're not going to ruin my call, my marriage, my family for five minutes. It ain't that good. And that's all I got in five minutes. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just messing, I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> Even if it was true, I got a baby coming. So, hey, you know. How do you been? How do you been? How do you been? How 
Watch this. Revelation, look in 18. Look in verse 4. Watch this now. Now, it was talking about the spirit of Babylon. And in verse 2, it says, Babylon, the great, has fallen. He's fallen, or they've fallen, and become the habitation of devils. Or uh, come the habitation of devils. I'm in verse 2. Has come the habitation of devils, and hold of every foul spirit. Say foul spirit. And the hold of every foul spirit and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. In other words, he was describing Babylon as this. Look in verse 4. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you may not be partakers of what? Her sins. And that you receive not her plagues. That's your choice. It's your choice to take on somebody else's sin. Now, you can either learn from them or you can jump in them yourself. And if you decide to jump in, you cannot, you cannot. Because some of y'all, it's, it, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have done this. You, that's a lie. You did it. You made a choice. They didn't, unless they had a gun to your head, you made a choice to participate. I'm walking in deep water this morning. But see, now, since I know I have a choice. See, here's, let me tell you something about this real quick, and then I'm going to stop. Let me tell you something about God. God loves you so much that he'll, and this is where preachers miss it. Can I, can I help you where preachers miss it? This is, see, this is where preachers who get into a lifestyle of sin, this is where they think that God's okay with the sin because they'll come to church and they'll preach and the Spirit of God will move and people will get blessed and walk out and say, oh, pastor, that was a good sermon. But he has forgot that the anointing on the word is what moved the people. He forgot about that. And so now he has X'd out the spirit factor. And now he thinks it's just him. So you know what he does? Deception comes in and he continues to walk in the sin. And watch this. The sin is private. But sin is like this. See, God loves us enough that if you're sinning on a serious level privately, eventually it's going to come public if you don't get rid of it. And that's what most preachers mess up. But see, God loves you enough to still let water come out of the rock, even if I hit it instead of speaking to the rock. You say, what do you mean? See, in the Old Testament, Moses, God told him to go give the people some water. And Moses got upset with the people. See, no matter how upset y'all make me, you still God's people. You're not my people. You're God's people. So Moses got upset and God told him to go speak to the rock and water was going to come out. Well, Moses was upset. So you know what Moses did? He let his temper get over him and he hit the rock. But God loved the people so much he still let water come out. But you know what? He didn't let Moses go in the promised land. So don't worry about a pastor doing wrong because it's going to catch up. And you know, you can't preach like I'm preaching like this unless you're living right either. See, I can preach about any sin in the Bible. You know why? Because I'm not participating right now. And I'm choosing not to in the future. Amen. I don't drink beer. I don't drink liquor. All I drink, I barely drink water. I drink Coke and Sprite. Amen. So you have to partake of the person. Let me tell you what's on my life so you will know. Favor is on Pastor Evans' life. Amen. Let me tell you something. 
my pastor has 900, almost 1,000 pastors under him. But he calls me Tuesday. Personally, he calls me. and says, hey, I'm doing a two-day summit, Thursday and Friday this week. I'd like you to come down. You can stay at my house. <laughs> Just so you know, he has a 33,000 square foot house. And then he has six houses on the property. So, you know, if the guest rooms in the house are too full, you just stay in one of the houses on the, on the property. I done been in both of them, praise the Lord. <laughs> but here's my point. There's favor on my life. There's increase on my life. Let me tell you why. We started out with 22 people. On the first day of service, we had 140. That's increase. That's something that you can now claim because now you are partakers of my grace. So now the blessings that's on my life, you are now eligible for. You say, well, I don't want his blessings. Fine. Then get the blessings that's on the grace of this church. How many would like to be a millionaire? Let me see your hand. Amen. Put your hand down. Watch this. Our church raised almost a million dollars last year. So the grace to make a million can be on you if you receive it. Let's close with this. Let's close with praying. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now, I'm going to say this and then I'm going to, because it's 1130 right now. I'm going to say this right here. I'm going to switch the order in my going back to the basics series. Because I look back over my life and there was one major factor that changed it dramatically. Outside of knowing the, the Bible. The other factor that changed my life dramatically was me learning how to not just speak in tongues, but learning how to now understand the different gifts and manifestations of the Spirit of God. And a lot of people these days, they don't understand that. And then we've seen some weird manifestations. They weren't even weird manifestations. They're just how people responded to the Spirit. Just because, you know, people run don't mean that that's the Spirit running. That just means they decided to run. Amen. Just like you decided to light up a cigarette when you leave church. You decided to do that. Well, you can't just blame the Holy Spirit just because some, you know, uh, somebody, my friend of mine, he was trying to invite his neighbor to church for like 10 years. And he went to a real charismatic church at the time. And when you get, when you get to the point where you are ashamed to invite somebody to your church, something's wrong. And he, he had just gotten to that point. And finally, after 12 years or so, the neighbor said, I'm going to go to church with you. So he went to church, and this Sunday, the Holy Spirit, I guess is what you want to call it, was high. And this is an Anglo per person now, so it wasn't, you know, African-American church at all. And somebody decided to pick the church flag up and run around the church. <laughs> and he was standing up, because it was doing praise and worship. I'm serious. That's the way it was. And they, the person with the flag hit somebody in the head with the flag. <laughs> Cut the person. And the person needed stitches. Guess who the person was? <laughs> it was the neighbor. Took him 12 years to get that man to church. That man probably going to hell, honey. <laughs> so next week and the following week and maybe the third one, 
I'm going to teach you on the Holy Spirit. Because he can talk to you. Man, listen. When I, I remember I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I ain't going to read the scripture. I'll just finish, pick it up next week. Uh, I remember when I got filled with the Holy Spirit. You have to understand I was Presbyterian, so they didn't teach it. So I didn't even know what speaking in tongues was. It's like, what is that? And then they told me what it was. Well, I remember going home, and my dad told me, he, he called me in his room. Well, you get called in the room, you in trouble. That's just it. Now, I was in college. He, he called me in the room. And so the first thing I said is, oh, what did I do this time? Because, you know, I used to stay in trouble. So I, what did I do this time? He said, no, he ain't do nothing. He said, I'm just wondering, what made you change so, so like that? And I knew the change came from learning how. To be filled and then refilled with the Spirit. Because some of y'all know how to speak in tongues and you're filled with the Spirit, but you ain't been refilled lately. Well, my question to you is, how can you be empowered to live a life if you don't continue to fill up? You can't fill a car one time and expect it to keep going. You got to refill yourself. Well, for the next two weeks, maybe three, I'm going to teach you some stuff on the Holy Spirit you probably didn't even know. And if you don't speak in tongues, I still want you to come to church because I'm going to show you how to do it. And let me tell you something. When I learned how to do that, it changed my life. And if you're already speaking in tongues, don't worry about it because I'm going to show you how to get refilled and then how to stay filled and then how to function in the manifestations because we ought to be speaking in tongues and somebody ought to be interpreting. See, all that stuff ought to be happening in the church. But then it got so spooky, nobody want to do nothing. How many know what I'm talking about? Amen. All right. Every head bowed and every eye closed here this morning. You may be here today. And if you've never accepted Jesus Christ.